a great song to affirm as we come together this morning uh, to hear God's word, to worship God together, to be encouraged, to encourage one another, uh, to find areas of ministry, all the different things that God does in and through us as we gather together. I want to add my welcome to everyone who's here this morning and uh, it's just great. I, Robin Carter's my name. I'm one of the pastors here um, and uh, Dave's away in the Riverland this weekend uh, at a combined youth um, leaders and also a youth rally and encouraging people out in the country has a real heart for smaller churches and people uh, who, who need encouragement and he's away this weekend. I have the privilege of bringing uh, God's word to you this morning. I'm dreading Troy cutting off his locks because how will I remember his name when his locks have been cut off? <laughs> but anyway, I encourage you, uh, regardless of the problem I'll have if he does that, uh, just see if you can make sure that it happens. So uh, you know what that means uh, for the Early Learning Centre in Indonesia, then that would be a great thing to see, to see happening. I'm also a little deaf and I might have missed it, but I'm not sure whether Troy mentioned that the track series is happening at midday today. Did he mention that? Oh, it was up on the screen. There you go. And um, so just a reminder for those doing the track series, uh, we'll be meeting up in the uh, Beaumont room. We've been meeting uh, at 12, uh, 12 o'clock today. And I want to encourage you, we're a Baptist church. You might wonder why uh, we have a voting process. Um, and uh, it's good uh, just to hear from Ben this morning. The, as a Baptist church, we're a congregational government and it's about hearing God's spirit together. What seems good? Uh, to the Holy Spirit and what seems good to us. And the process of voting is a formalised way of us just as a congregation owning together what we believe the Holy Spirit is doing. And there's always the opportunity and that's why we have opportunity for people uh, to affirm or otherwise. Leaders bring recommendations and, and then together we affirm or otherwise uh, those things as, as a congregation. So I encourage you to listen to what God's saying to you about uh, Ben's uh, possible appointment amongst us and just to hear what God is saying not only to you but to us as a whole church. Let me pray as we continue to look at God's word together. Father, we thank you that you are the way maker. We thank you, Father, that you are the one that is at work in our midst. We thank you for the amazing things you're already doing in our hearts, in our lives, in the church, even in this community, and even in the wider world. Because, Father, you are Lord over all, and you are working, you are doing your thing. And, Lord, we want to be open to what you're doing through us. And, Lord, we want to hear what your word is saying to us uh, this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Rebecca and I have 14 grandchildren. Some of you are aware of that. Rebecca's three grandchildren are here this morning. One of them was, he loves walking straight lines. He was just checking the gym out today. Um, and uh, I have 11 grandchildren between eight and 11 years old. And uh, those uh, grandchildren have watched me when they've come over. They've often wanted me to make something out in the shed. One of my hobbies is, uh, is uh, making things and repairing things and fixing things. And uh, they've watched and seen what I do. And often now when they come over, I've got seven uh, granddaughters and four, four grandsons. The granddaughters are just as much into it. They love to go out in the shed and they are now doing things that I used to do, nailing things together, coming up, they come up with the ideas, they come up with creative ideas, they're making, doing things at their own initiative, they go out there without me now, they know what tools they can't touch, they know what tools they can touch, 
uh, and they respect that, and uh, within the realm of their ability, they love to doing things uh, because of what they've seen that I've done, and they're now putting it into practice. And this morning, we're asking the big question around discipleship is the how of discipleship. We've looked at what a disciple is, a follower, a learner, someone who walks intimately in relationship with Jesus. We've looked at uh, who makes disciples. We were reminded that as, as a whole body together, we all make it, take a part in, in, in making disciples. And uh, um, Dave preached on why, why make disciples. Because there's a needy world out there. There's hearts that are far from God who need to know the light of his love and grace and come from darkness into the light of his love and grace and to know the way that God created us to live. And that's part of what we're looking at this morning is how do we make disciples who are actually followers who are obeying what Jesus uh, has called us to. Very familiar, we've looked at it and I'm going to draw your attention to it one more time this morning. It's our last in the series on discipleship. Matthew 28, Jesus said, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them, and often that's all we hear in this command, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you and surely I am with you always. But what we often forget and a focus that we often miss is how do we teach people to obey? We disciple people, we do alpha courses, we do theology on the Holy Spirit, gifts of the Spirit, the church, on witnessing, on reading your Bible. We emphasize a lot about teaching and learning and, and f filling our heads with understanding of what God's Word says. But Jesus said, make disciples, teaching them to obey. And so much of our teaching is about just learning more and more theology, learning more and more uh, content. And I guess by the grace of God and by the Spirit of God, often that has an outworking in people obeying. But it consciously we need to think when we are making disciples, we are to teach people to obey everything that Jesus uh, commanded, but everything that he taught and to help each other uh, to do that. And the whole issue of obedience is something that is a, was a priority in Jesus' teaching. Jesus said, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who actually do the will of the Father, in who, my Father who is in heaven. And then after he had given a whole lot of uh, teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, on heart attitudes and things to live and things to do, um, he said that uh, um, uh, it's so important to build on the rock is actually to do what he says. If you want stability in your life, if you want something that gives you handles in the midst of storms, if you want something that will withstand the storms of life, be a person who, as much as you're able, as much as God has revealed to you, that you are doing what Jesus said. That emphasis so important. Jesus said, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on the house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. The rock is Jesus, but we only have that stability if we're living out and obeying the things that Jesus said and taught. And so probably this morning, we could... In, uh, we could uh, ask the question, not only how do we make disciples, but how do we teach obedience? What I have to say this morning is, is what 
I believe we can hear and see in the life of Jesus. It'll be relevant to parents, to school teachers, to ministry leaders, to business owners, to coaches, to single people, to older people, to younger people. What does it mean? How do we teach people? How do we encourage people? How do we help people uh, to obey and do uh, not only what God says, but in the same thing when we're trying to get people to do what God says, how can we expect and teach and disciple, uh, if you're a parent, how do you disciple your kids? Everything that God's word is saying to us this morning is going to be very relevant uh, to you this morning. So let's sit at Jesus' feet and look at him for a moment. And there's so much I could say. It could be a whole series on this. Um, but the first thing, the most obvious thing that I saw as I looked at the life of Jesus on how he made disciples, and let's remember, as Mark Sanders pointed out when he preached um, a few weeks ago, he pointed out as he shared his story, up until 16 there had been a whole lot of people in the church who had sowed in his life before he came to faith. So the question is, how do we disciple? How do we and lead people to obey and do the things that Jesus said? How do we disciple them to faith? How do we disciple people once they come to faith? How do we disciple people uh, in the faith? Foundational, the first thing about Jesus that we notice in him wanting to have followers who would obey him, he loved them unconditionally. Jesus was an example of how to love people, how to love your kids unconditionally, how to love your neighbour, your colleagues, your friends, people in the church. Sometimes that can be the biggest challenge. How do you love the people in the church that make things that you find hard to relate to? How do you love unconditionally? Well, let's look at Jesus for a moment. He listened to their stories. The woman at the well who had had five, seven partners and the person she was living with wasn't her husband. He didn't judge her. He didn't tell her that she was on the way to hell if she didn't change her ways. He listened to their story. He listened as she just poured out her life and told her, probably told Jesus a whole lot of stuff about what had happened in her life. And he didn't even tell her to go and do it. But she ran off and invited the whole village and, and just began to do the things that Jesus would have wanted her to do because she was loved unconditionally. He accepted broken people the woman caught in adultery. He didn't point the finger in a tweet to her and say how terrible she was for what uh, she had done. He just looked at her accusers, looked at the ground, wrote something in the ground. Who knows what he may have written. I had some thoughts, but I won't share them with you. Hey, he, uh, <clears throat> he just looked at them and said, he or she who is without sin cast the first stone. He loved her unconditionally. He served people. He washed his disciples' feet. He did the job that only uh, the most, in their culture, lowest person in the household would do. He took the towel as the king and the lord of the universe and washed his disciples' feet. And none of them had even thought to do that for him. But he turned and he washed their feet. He loved them. He accepted hospitality from people. When the tax collector, a reject in society because of who he is and what he was done, he was a real scoundrel. He, the tax collector Matthew invited him to his house Well, when he invited himself there he went and ate uh, at the, uh, Matthew's home he just did life with his disciples he was vulnerable he asked for help in the garden he was vulnerable enough to ask for the disciples help when he was praying in the garden 
and he shared his struggles with his disciples. He loved people unconditionally, foundational to parenting, foundational to discipleship in the life of the church, foundational to people coming to faith, is that we love people unconditionally. Secondly, we look at the life of Jesus. He did community with his disciples. The people he loved unconditionally, the people whether he had had a long conversation, whether he had listened to them for a long time, when he saw the fishermen, he said, come, follow me. Somehow they knew in that, I'll say, command, that invitation, somehow they heard in the spirit in which it would have been said that Jesus would have been communicating to them something of, I, 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 I love and accept you, I believe that you, God has great things for you, I want you to be part of what is a motley bunch that Jesus invited to follow. I find it very encouraging that it was such a motley bunch that Jesus uh, invited to follow him. But they would have sensed in that invitation that they were loved and invited into community. He walked in the fields. He broke the religious laws and, and uh, rubbed the wheat together and, and gave them something to eat. And when he was asked about, um, yeah, why, why he's doing it, he took it as a teaching opportunity as he went about life, as he walked the dusty roads of Palestine uh, with his disciples. He healed the sick. They watched him as he did ministry as he prayed for people, as he taught people, as he sat with people, as he listened with people. Uh, he just was in community with them. He was, uh, they, they followed him uh, from the time that he invited them. He was in relationship uh, with them. He came alongside them in their grief. Remember on the road to Emmaus, two dejected, depressed disciples, their dreams of uh, what Jesus was going to do, be some sort of political messiah and save, I was going to say America, but I won't get political this morning, but he uh, simply, uh, these uh, depressed uh, disciples who um, were, all their dreams and hopes were shattered, he came and even though they didn't recognise him, he walked alongside them, he probed them with some questions, he listened to them, he pointed them to the scriptures, he didn't sort of just make a big announcement of who he was, was and what he wanted them to do. He travelled the journey of their grief and their depression and their loss and he listened to them and in the course of doing that, he pointed them to the point where they realised who he was and they came alive with great joy when they realised, obviously, that Jesus was in fact alive. Unconditional love, invitation to relationship, to connection, to be meeting regularly in some way uh, with each other is how uh, we make disciples. And then as we look at the life of Jesus, no apologies, no holes barred, he had godly expectations, not only of those he called to follow him, but the crowds that he taught, he made it very clear what he uh, expected and, what, and how uh, they should live their lives. If we as a church are to disciple people. We need to be very clear about what God calls us to do, very clear about what Jesus taught us uh, uh, and teaches us and calls us to do here and now as his disciples. There's things like, so many things, um, love one another so that people will know that you are my disciples. Pray for your enemies, do good uh, to those uh, who, who, who hate you. Repent of the things, turn away from the things you know are wrong. Take up your cross and follow me. Um, do justice, 
practice mercy and faithfulness. People who are really proud of their tithing and probably their regular Bible reading uh, and tithing every little, doing every little thing that they thought they should do uh, to, to obey and do what uh, they thought the law commanded. Jesus said, you're missing the point. You're doing all these minor things, but you're neglecting justice and mercy and faithfulness. So Jesus was very clear that those things are to be reflected in our lives, in the life of the church, how we function, how we care for one another, the things we say to government, to wider community, the way we uh, contribute and give to the poor. All those things are an expression of obedience, of the things, kind of things that Jesus said. He said, don't neglect those other things, but make sure you don't neglect what is important. He said things like forgive 70 times 7. In other words, go on forgiving. Not meaning if you're in an abusive relationship, you keep uh, putting up with it. Forgiveness can still challenge and tell someone to leave until they get help. But you go on forgiving and you do it in a spirit of grace uh, and forgiveness. Then he had the Beatitudes. Barry zeroed in on the heart. If we're going to disciple people, it's not about external behaviour. It's not about whether you're seen to be in ministry, whether you're seen to be outwardly doing the right things. Jesus really drilled down deep and cut to the heart and said, if you lust after a woman, you've committed adultery. If you're angry with your brother, you've committed murder. He cut right through and said, look at what's going on in your heart if you want to be my disciple. And we can't go on and there's so many things. He says, don't be anxious, trust me. Trust trust that I will care for you. No matter how horrible things seem to be and what the future looks like. And the whole Sermon on the Mount develops those things about how to be salt and light in the world and point people to Jesus. I want to say unapologetically, it's not some preacher coming to town necessarily, although that may be part of what God might do. If you want to point people to Jesus, then live the life and obey the things he said. People will be seeing it without you knowing People will be drawn to the person of Jesus when you are seen to be doing the things uh, that he commanded us to do. He told us to guard our heart if we are to be his disciples and to let God's Holy Spirit convict and speak and change and transform so that what we do flows out of a heart transformed by the grace and love of God. And part of clear expectations, he rebuked his disciples. Um, Peter, who... uh, um, uh, who, who denied Jesus three times. Jesus just reinstated him. He rebuked him, but he welcomed him back. He didn't reject him because he had slipped up and failed and, and, uh, and, and done something which uh, we would sometimes, as a big discussion about what if you deny me, uh, I'll deny you, and you start to wonder if you've lost your salvation whole question we won't get into that but just to say that even when Peter denied Jesus three times Jesus rebuked him but he reinstated him Um, when the disciples were sending the children away Jesus rebuked them and said enough of that welcome the children because such is the kingdom of heaven the children in this church are an example if you like when we see their faith of how uh, we need to have simple trust and faith in Christ 
And we need to value children in everything that we do in the life of the church as we seek to disciple them, as we stand with parents and help them to see their children grow up uh, to love and serve the Lord Jesus. As a whole community, we value children. We love them unconditionally. Um, we, we share God's word and God's truth with them. And uh, we welcome them into our lives and into our worship and into our community and into uh, our, our friendships and our families. And then I want to say the biggest challenge, because this where we will be challenged this morning, if we want to make disciples, we, all of us, as we're all part of discipling each other, is to be a Christ-like example. When we look at Jesus, he modelled intimacy with his Father. He modelled an intimate, close communion with his Heavenly Father, and he said that I, nothing I do, uh, I don't do anything unless the Father tells me. It says in John 5, 19 uh, to 20, Jesus, when they asked him um, the question, he said, very truly I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his Father doing because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these so that you uh, will be amazed. Jesus modelled intimacy with his father and then doing what, in that deep communion, in that inner uh, awareness of what God's spirit is saying, he modelled obedience to what uh, God the father was speaking to him as the son. And so too, uh, we need to live in intimate communion with God and be, listen to the promptings of the spirit to respond to someone, to respond uh, and, and minister according to the gifts that God, God's given you to those around you. And as we do that, we will be helping them um, become uh, more mature disciples and followers uh, of Jesus. And I want to say, as I speak about being an example of obedience, it says in, uh, uh, Paul was able to say, uh, imitate me as I imitate Christ. I praise you for always thinking of me and for carefully following the traditions I've handed down to you. I'm challenged by those words. Can I say to you, follow me in the same way as I follow Christ? I'm very safe to say, follow and imitate the things that I do to the extent they reflect the character and the love and the grace of God. And we need to all ask ourselves, are there things that would stop us saying to the person next to us, imitate me uh, uh, to the extent that I, I am following and uh, being an example of who Christ is. And it's rather challenging, but um, speaking of Jesus, the writer of Hebrews says, when we think about how do I learn obedience myself, as I think and as we think about the way as a whole community we need to function, in Hebrews 5.8, the writer says... <coughs> Speaking of Jesus, although he was a son, he learned obedience through suffering. When we go to tough times, sometimes they are the times when God reveals and shows and points us to things that we would never uh, see otherwise. I don't believe God makes up his mind, I want to um, teach Tim something and then put him through hell so that he learns something. But in a broken world where terrible things happen, where sin, we sin against one another and we do things that hurt and pain each other, where uh, we are still in process, 
both individually and the world isn't uh, what it will be in the, in when Christ comes again. But in the midst of all that brokenness, whatever pain it brings our way, we can learn obedience just as Christ learned obedience in his suffering. But also God in his love, in helping us be an example. Uh, in Hebrews 12, he's, uh, the writer says, Furthermore, we uh, who had uh, earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it, we should submit even more to the Father of our spirits and live. For a short time they disciplined us, speaking of earthly uh, parents, as they thought best. But God does it for our good so that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, for those who have been trained by it, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace. I think you'll know when God is disciplining you. You'll know when God is speaking to you and saying, Robin, there's something you need to change. There's something you need to deal with. And I might suffer the consequences of my behaviour or my words or my actions and God will be speaking to me and saying, Robin, you need to change that. You need to uh, speak differently to people. You need to avoid that attitude or that uh, action uh, towards others. But in all this, as we love people unconditionally, as we are in community, in life groups, meet for worship, meet for coffee if we catch up at different times, as we have interactions in our daily lives, both with each other in the life of the church and people in the community, as we communicate um, uh, godly expectations and speak God's words to each other in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, as we speak in conversation and share what we believe uh, God's word says, um, and as we seek to be a Christ-like example and we are praying for someone either to come, become a follower and discipling them to faith or we want to see someone grow in their faith, here's what I want to finish with. We need, as Jesus did, give much grace to people. I mentioned earlier, Peter denied Jesus. He denied Jesus. And yet Jesus reinstated him as a disciple, as a follower, someone he loved. If the band would like to come, uh, and we'll finish in a moment. Um, as we seek to disciple people, then we need to be sure that we are giving much grace to people as we pray for them, our children who might seem totally opposed to everything you stand for as a Christian parent. Continue to love them unconditionally. Jesus loved Peter when he denied him. Keep loving your kids even when they deny you and deny everything that you stand for. I finish with this statement. If we want to make disciples and see people, we need to see people through the eyes of grace and see them as precious children of God who are in process but haven't arrived. It's true for every believer sitting here this morning. It's true for every person who's yet to express faith. It's true to each of our children who we'd love to see to come to faith. Give them much grace, see them as in process and love them the way that God loves us. Let's pray and then I'll hand back to Joel uh, to finish the service. Father, we thank you that you never tell us to do something that you don't either empower us to do nor show us how to do. And Father, this morning as we've looked at you, looked at the way you uh, taught disciples to be obedient, not to fill their heads with knowledge, but to live and to express who you are and your character and your love and grace, both in the life of the church and in the wider world. 
We pray, Father, that for each of us, that we will give that to each other. We'll be examples to each other. Lord, that we will listen to your spirit, live in intimacy with you, so that the things we say and do will be a blessing to others and encourage them in their, in their walk with you. And may we apply these things as parents, as uh, in every area of our lives, may we apply the, the way that you seek to guide and train us, that we will use and, abide, uh, and be guided by who you are and the way, the example you've given. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to a sermon from Hills Baptist Church. To find out more or to hear other great content, find us at hillsbaptist.com or on your podcast app.